Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Mark 6, verses 47 to 56, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark, chapter 6, verses 47 to 56. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of the Gennesaret and moored on the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, They laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. This is the word of the Lord. The event first recorded in these verses is a beautiful emblem of the position of all believers between the first and second advents of Jesus Christ. Like the disciples, We are now tossed to and fro by storms and do not enjoy the visible presence of our Lord. Like the disciples, we shall see our Lord face to face again, though it may be a time of great extremity when he returns. Like the disciples, we shall see all things change for the better when our Master comes to us. We shall no longer be buffeted by storms. There will be a great calm. There is nothing fanciful in such an application of the passage. We need not doubt that there is a deep meaning in every step of his life who was God manifest in the flesh. For the present, however, let us confine ourselves to the plain practical lessons which these verses contain. Let us notice in the first place how our Lord sees the troubles of his believing people and in due time will help them. We read that when the boat was out at sea, He was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully. He came to them, walking on the sea, cheering them with gracious words, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid, and change the storm into calm. There are thoughts of comfort here for all true believers. Wherever they may be, or whatever their circumstances, the Lord Jesus sees them, alone or in company, in sickness or in health, by sea or by land, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, the same eye which saw the disciples tossed on the lake is ever looking at us. We are never beyond the reach of his care. Our way is never hidden from him. He knows the path that we take and is still able to help. He may not come to our aid at the time we like best, but he will never allow us utterly to fail. He who walked upon the water never changes. He will always come at the right time to uphold his people. Though he tarry, 
let us wait patiently. Jesus sees us, and he will not forsake us. Let us notice in the second place the fears of the disciples when they first saw our Lord walking upon the sea. We are told that they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. What a faithful picture of human nature we have in these words. How many thousands in the present day, if they had seen what the disciples saw, would have behaved in like manner? How few, if they were on board a ship in a storm at midnight and suddenly saw one walking on the water and drawing near to the ship, how few would preserve their composure and be altogether free from fears? Let men laugh if they please, at the superstitious fears of these unlearned disciples. Let them boast, if they like, of the march of intellect and the spread of knowledge in these latter times. There are few, we may confidently assert, who, placed in the same position as the apostles, would have shown more courage than they. The boldest skeptics have sometimes proved to be the greatest cowards when appearances have been seen at night which they could not explain. The truth is, there is an instinctive feeling in all men which makes them shrink from anything which seems to belong to another world. There is a consciousness which many try in vain to conceal by affected composure, that there are beings unseen as well as seen, and that the life which we now live in the flesh is not the only life in which man has a portion. The common stories of ghosts and apparitions are undoubtedly foolish and superstitious, They are almost always traceable to the fears and imaginations of weak-minded people. Yet the universal attention which such stories obtain all over the world is a fact that deserves notice. It is an indirect evidence of latent belief in unseen things, just as counterfeit coin is an evidence that there is true money. It forms a peculiar testimony which the infidel would find it hard to explain away. It proves that there is something within men which testifies to a world beyond the grave, and that when men feel it, they are afraid. The plain duty of the true Christian is to live provided with an antidote against all fears of the great unseen world. That antidote is faith in our unseen Savior and constant communion with Him. Armed with that antidote and seeing Him who is invisible, Nothing need make us afraid. We travel on towards a world of spirits. We are surrounded even now by many dangers. But with Jesus for our shepherd, we have no cause for alarm. With him for our shield, we are safe. Let us notice in the conclusion of the chapter what a bright example we have of our duty to one another. We are told that when our Lord came into the land of the Gennesaret, the people ran through that whole region and brought to him in beds those that were sick. We read that wherever he came, in villages, cities, and countryside, they lay the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. Let us see here a pattern for ourselves. Let us go and do likewise. Let us strive to bring all around us who are in need of spiritual medicine to Jesus, the great physician that they may be healed. Souls are dying every day. Time is short. Opportunities are rapidly passing away. The night comes when no man can work. 
Let us spare no pains in laboring to bring men and women to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they may be saved. It is a comfortable thought that as many as touch him will be made whole. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, when faced with various trials, do we believe we are never out of the eye and care of our Lord? Do we believe that he always comes at the right time, even when we might have wished sooner? Second, when faced with the realities of the unseen world, do we turn to our unseen Savior who is over all? Do we find comfort as we commune with our great shepherd? And third, do we labor to bring people to Jesus, the great physician, to be healed of the plague of sin? Do we believe he can make them well?